This is an encore edition of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Julie returns live next week with a new edition of the show. Well, it's all. Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. So we have a great show today. Uh, we have Tim Percival with us who will be joining us in the second segment on talking um, talking about disaster preparedness um, and also what to have in your doggy first aid kit. Mm. And uh, this is just great, uh, you know, Probably, obviously, great timing. I know a sp- there's been, seems like, disaster after disaster with the tornadoes in Joplin, Missouri. And then I know f- it hit has hit very close to home, the tsunami in Japan. Right. Um, an earthquake, because that is something that would kind of, something that we could relate to here, because that's probably what it would look like similar in our area as well if something happened close to us, too. And we've been very lucky here in western Washington yes. to avoid most disasters well, that so the, far. the rest of the world has seen. But we do lie under the threat, I guess, of a, a volcano eruption mm-hmm. at any point, possibility of tsunami. So yeah. you just never know. Well, they say it's only a matter of time. I mean, it could be hundreds of years from now, but Let's still. Hope, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, pause, pause cross. Yeah, and you know, you don't hear a lot in the news or it's not the first thing you hear about in the news when disaster strikes about the pets, but I know for True. myself my first concern would be my pets, mm. my partner and my pets locally. Mm-hmm. And um so we'll be talking with Tim about, you know, what you can do to be as prepared as possible if something like that does happen. Well, you know, when Katrina happened, that really pushed uh, the plight of pets in disasters to the forefront of uh, America's consciousness. Mm So, you know, very interesting. Yeah. So uh, before we talk with Tim, I do have a few announcements. Uh, Natural Pet Pantry has a new store opening in Kirkland. It's in Houghton Plaza, which is um, where the PCC is, and uh, they're looking like they're going to open their doors on April 5th and uh, that's again in Kirkland and it's really going to be something um, new uh, a new concept that really to my knowledge hasn't really been done in the area um, yet where they are going to of course have their wonderful line of products um, frozen um, both raw and cooked formulas for dogs and cats and they have a whole bunch of different uh, formulas and combinations that you can um, put together to really make a healthy nutritious meal for your dog or cat so they're going to have all of their products they will sell they are going to bring in some other products from other companies and other brands mostly focusing on um, supplements and treats really with a health a holistic health focus and then also housing a lot of Um, local experts in various fields of expertise, um, anywhere from a holistic veterinarian to, you know, massage therapist, um, chiropractic energy work, all sorts of really great stuff. 
um, acupuncture, stuff like that. I'm going to be doing some talks there on a regular basis, um, speaking from my area of expertise, mostly related to training and behavior and, um, you know, lots of ways to kind of tie. And, you know, my approach is certainly a holistic one as well. I'm always talking to people about food, about flea medication, if they're, you know, using flea medication, if you've heard the show, chemical flea meds can cause anxiety and agitated behavior, um, you know, kind of looking at all aspects of health in general, both, uh, both, let's say, emotional, mental health and physical health. So it's just going to be this really, really powerful community resource for holistic health for your pet. And um, it's just such a great concept, and they're doing such a great job um, with this this company and with uh, with the store. So really excited for that to open. That's going to be April 5th. Um, I'm going to be talking with Randy on, uh, Randy, who's one of the owners of Natural Pet Pantry. She and her husband, Rolf, own the Natural Pet Pantry, and Randy will be on the show April 9th to talk more about the store, and we'll kind of get into more detail about that. Excited about that. I'm excited to do some talks. I'm excited for... Um, you know, to get to interact with the community in that way. So stay tuned for that. Before that, uh, let's see, the weekend before that, A Help Project, which is the Animal Hospice End of Life and Palliative Care Project, is having their fourth annual friendship celebration, which is their big annual fundraiser. This is their fourth annual, but this is their first one as a bona fide nonprofit organization. So AHELP is 501c3 now, and the fundraiser is going to be held at Northwest Cellars. Uh, It's going to be a wine tasting, and uh, we have a raffle, uh, lots of great items that are being raffled off that you can buy tickets for and try to win um, just today. Uh, If you've been a longtime listener, you probably uh, remember... Rainbow's End cabins at Mount Rainier. It's these dog-friendly cabins at the base of Mount Rainier. Like, dog-friendly. Big, fenced-in backyard. Totally secure. Dog beds on the ground with, you know, little bones on them when you walk in. Um, I mean, biscuits. And um, lots of great hiking and lots of fun stuff to do outside. There's a hot tub in the backyard. I mean, we were there, Darcy and I have been there a few times with our dogs, and it's so fun. And it's just, you know, we have a, a larger pack than most. And to just be able to get out of town, go on vacation, bring everybody, and they're just totally welcome, totally dog-friendly. Um, one of the raffle items is going to be a weekend getaway to uh, Rainbow's End Cabins at Mount Rainier. And there's lots of other really great raffle items, too. So, um all the proceeds go to support a help project. There'll be a wine tasting going on. Um, the event again is Saturday, March 29th from one to 4 PM at Northwest sellers. And you can find out more, um, on a help projects website, a help project.org, a H E L P project.org. And I'll post a link to that on our Facebook page as well. Um, Eric, do you remember, uh, I think it was in our first year on the air, we've been on the air now for over five years, mm-hmm. when my Nana called in? I do, yeah, that was great. <laughs> that was definitely a highlight. I think I actually, ha- like a couple years after that, I think you actually found the clip and like replayed that. Cause mm-hmm. she, my Nana called in, and she's uh, my only living grandparent, and um, 
she's 100% Italian. She's, you know, from Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. Very loud. She was very sweet. Yeah. Well, she turns 100 this weekend. Oh, happy birthday to Nana. That's wonderful. It's amazing. Uh, When she called in, I was so proud to say that she was my 95-year-old Nana. And she has made it to 100, and uh, her 100th birthday is this weekend, and I'm going to Florida tomorrow morning to celebrate her birthday. And I just wanted to uh, send a shout-out. 100 years, man. That's That's awesome. That's something. And do send birthday wishes from all of us here at the station to her. That's wonderful. I will. And we'd love to have her call back in sometime. Yeah, I'll try to arrange that. (laughs) She's so funny. Uh, I hope to play lots of cards with her. That's what we do. And she loves puzzles, too. And she does, like, thousand-piece puzzles still. That's how you stay sharp. I guess so. She pretty much lives— to challenge your mind. Yeah. She lives independently for the most part still. I mean, it's really incredible. Nana, my grandparents, had a dachshund when I was little growing up. Her name was Sonia. And um, she was a black and tan dachshund, and um, she used to raid my Nana's garden and get into the green beans— and eat the green beans off the vine. And, of course, being a dachshund, they're so low to the ground. So I just remember, I mean, this happened. It kind of turned into a joke, like, where's Sonia? And we'd look out the back, and she'd, you know, yell her name, and she'd <laughs> pop her little head up over the green beans, and she'd get, get out of there, you know, and then we'd laugh. And um, and it's just kind of cute because I have a dachshund now, and who does love green beans, although mm. I, don't, I don't have a garden for her to raid. But My grandma also had a dachshund. Really? Yeah, his name was Frank. Oh. Did he like green Aptly beans? Named. I, yeah. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I never saw him eat green beans, but yeah. uh, Dachshunds, he was a cute little guy. Yeah, dachshunds are pretty food motivated in general, but um, that's interesting. Well, happy birthday, Nana. Can't wait to see you. So when we come back, we will be talking with Tim Percival, who is an animal disaster responder and instructor. And he's going to talk to us about what we can do to prepare as best we can If disaster strikes our area, how to care, make sure that our pets are cared for and do whatever we can to make sure that we can take care of our pets if something were to happen. If the city shut down for a week, you know, do you have enough food? Do you have cash on hand? Stuff like that. So when we come back from break, we'll be talking with Tim Percival. You're listening to The Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the fabulous Clean Up the Mess people at BioClean, we cover the world of animals. This week, March 30th, it's Shelter, Rescue Sanctuary, and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check on the birds at Mollywood Avian Sanctuary and at Macaw Rescue and Sanctuary. We'll find out about the horses at All Breed Equine Rescue. Plus, we'll talk with Robert from Seattle Dog Spot, hoping for good news that the OAS dogs have all been rescued. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, 
1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiance said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. News, traffic, and weather? Now you can get your information fixed weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. And we are back now with Tim Percival in the booth with us, animal disaster responder and instructor. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So this is something that I've, you know, your timing is just great. I was so happy to hear from you because I've personally been thinking about, you know, in the wake of the, you know, Japan disasters and, you know, it's like, oh, you know, for me, it's my pets. I don't have children. I don't have family that lives out here except for my partner. So for me, it would be like, oh, well, what about the pets? I mean, should what should I have in preparation for something like that? Like, what if we're almost at the end of the bag of our food and something like that happens? Something like that that, I don't know, people may not even think about. And it's not even, it's not something that I necessarily want to think about either because it's kind of upsetting, but... Just because I don't want to think about it doesn't mean that it might not happen. So I'm glad to have you on the show so that you can share with us your expertise in this area and uh, tell us, you know, give us some tips about, you know, what can we do to prepare as best we can in this region, especially um, for what types of disasters may happen. You know, in, in the Northwest, we have several different kinds of disasters that may, we may get including earthquake is the main one that we may get, and mm-hmm. that can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. We have volcanoes. We could have lahars. You've mentioned tsunamis. What's a lahar? A lahar is a, a flow of mud coming from all the glacier melt okay. from the, uh, from the um, volcano. Mm-hmm. So those are the major ones. But mm-hmm. the smaller ones that happen all the time are the snowstorms, sure. the windstorms, yep. flooding. Yep. All those things happen all the time on a much smaller scale. And just because it may not make national news, it may still impact you. Sure. Good point. So what can people do? You know, what are some of the things that you can recommend, you know, people with pets should, you know, either have on hand or I know a lot of it is is being organized with information and having information readily available you know, anything from hotel contacts and maps, how to get there and all sorts of stuff. You know, one of the things I usually tell people when it comes to disaster preparedness is imagine yourself camping for a week. Mm-hmm. What are you going to need for your dog for a week if you don't have electricity, you don't have drinking water, and you don't have a phone? Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine that, that's pretty much what you're going to need whenever you decide to um, 
go camping, it's also what you're going to need during a disaster. Okay. Um, some of those things, everybody thinks disaster preparedness includes buying things. Mm-hmm. Probably the most important thing, in my opinion, is identification of your, your dog. Mm-hmm. A microchip or tattoo, some sort of ID, a permanent ID on the animal is crucial. Because if you do become separated from your dog, you want to make sure that you can be reunited. And if that dog does get in a shelter, mm. those are going to help you reunite with your, your animal. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you want to have photos of your dog. The missing pet partnerships, which I know you've had them mm-hmm. on the show before, yeah. they're great at this. But you want to have photos of your dogs. And then you also want to have photos of you with your dog. Okay. Because in a shelter, unfortunately, some people decide to go sh- shopping inside of a shelter. Mm-hmm. And we won't... During a disaster during, time, during, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So maybe they're looking for a pet that you know, a new yeah. pet, or and that's your dog. Exactly. Yeah. So we don't usually uh, give give animals away, but if you can prove that an animal is yours, then mm-hmm. then that's going to be very beneficial. Okay. So a photo of you and your dog, photo of your dog, and you, and a, you said d- at different angles is a good idea. Yeah, it's pretty much from every angle. Then if you if your dog has uh, any specific markings, uh, maybe a spot. Maybe a missing tooth, maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe its tail it has a marking or its mm-hmm. paw. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you get close-ups of those. Okay. And then um, identification. So, you know, microchip, something that's a permanent, so because collars can fall off or, you know, whatever. And then um, also making sure if you have a microchip that your microchip information is updated with the company. That is so important. Yeah. A lot of people... They don't update that information. Mm-hmm. So when they move or they get a, a new cell phone number, the company has all the old information. And now they have no way of tracking you right. in case you they find your lost animal. Right. So now what about what to have? So like what would be, I mean, that makes sense. Like imagine if you were going camping. So so what are what do you mean? Give us some examples of that. I mean, obviously like water, food. Yeah, you'll you'll need water and food. Yeah. Uh, any medication. Okay. Now, the other thing, I, uh, there may be some people that feed raw. Yeah. And if they feed raw or their animals are on medication that requires refrigeration, mm. then they need to have an ice chest with maybe some ice packs or something like that to keep that food fresh or the medication good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll want to have extra collars. And then uh, in your disaster kit for your, your dog... I always su- suggest a slip lead and mm. a slip lead because it will fit any animal. Right. So it, if you have a Chihuahua or a Great Dane, that same lead will fit both of those animals. Yeah. So I suggest slip leads and then make sure you have extra identification. So have an, a collar with an ID tag on there also. Yeah. And then as far as information goes, like the dog's um, vaccine information, health information, stuff like that. Yeah, you know, all that's so important. You want to make sure you have uh, proof of ownership, uh, you have have any vaccine information, because what happens is as soon as the animal gets inside of a shelter, then they're going to vaccinate those animals. And we don't want to over-vaccinate, but we have to have proof of vaccinations. Yeah. And if you go into a people shelter, you may not and probably won't be able to go in with your right, dog. Right. So your dog will be in a separate shelter. Mm-hmm. So you want to have all, any kind of information that you want and just make a copy of it, put it right there in your disaster kit. And uh, that way, if there is a disaster, it's already ready. You don't have to go looking for it through your mm-hmm. files. Anything else that somebody might not think about actually having on hand, um, you know, in addition to food and water and the information, any other kind of things that people might not think about? 
I would suggest some toys. Oh, yeah. You know, your your goal during disaster is to make everything normal again. Mm. So bring some toys, bring a, a bed, bring something that's comfortable and um, that the dog knows. Yep. And then um, maybe a kennel yeah. or with a tarp or something like that. Yeah. You want to make sure you have a kennel and make sure that your, your dog is crate trained because mm-hmm. if it goes into a shelter, it's going to go into a crate. Yeah. So you'll want to have, a, I suggest a sheet. Make sure you have a sheet and a tarp. That way if... Uh, it's in the mud. You can put the tarp underneath to protect your dog. And if it's in the summer, you can have a sheet on top right. to help, help coo- keep it cool the during shade, the sun. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, um, like, uh, one of the things I saw was like a rescue remedy or something to help calm a dog. Yeah. That's always nice because a lot of dogs become very anxious. Yeah. They're in a stressful situation. Sure. They're away from you. Yeah. People are pulling them in and out of crates that they have no idea who they are. In a site of a, an emergency animal shelter, there's barking going on nonstop, mm-hmm. 24-7. Mm-hmm. So if that's something that will help calm your dog, definitely. Yeah. And so, um, so, oh, and this is something else that I think uh, it was information that I came across, just not just specific to pets, but just in general, was to have cash. Yeah, cash. You know, again, think when you're camping. You don't have access to phone. You don't have electricity. So if you go into a store and you need to buy some new dog food because you're out, how are you going to be able to buy that dog food if their their ATM or credit card machine is not working? Right. So if you have cash, you can buy it. Yeah. On another hand, if you're going to a hotel and their machine isn't working, are they going to accept you because you have cash or somebody else that has a credit card? Probably mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to give you an edge in a, a disaster situation too. And then also having, as far as the hotels go, having um, a list of pet-friendly hotels, both kind of close to you and then also a little further away, and and even maps to them from your house or and then, you know, vet, emergency vet clinics and just kind of having all that information in a folder or something like that so that if you need it, you just, you know, it's in the kit, you grab it and go. Definitely. If you, one of the main things that you should have in your uh, kit are a bunch of Ziploc bags. So if you have all that information and inside a Ziploc, now, Ziploc, now it's waterproof. Mm-hmm. So, and you, you nailed it. Make sure you have a map to that location because in a disaster, you may not know. And if you have all the information, including a phone number, the hours of operation, especially with the hotel, yeah. if you can call them as soon as the disaster happens, hey, make we're on our way, yeah. make your reservation because along those highways, those hotels are going to book up really quick. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, because I don't know what it would take for phone systems. I mean, I definitely take my phone for granted, I think. But for cell phones to not be working if it was a larger scale disaster, uh, like towers go down or something like that. And I know I rely on my phone to look up addresses, you know, as I'm driving around visiting clients. So if I didn't have that, I would have no way to look it up. And, you know, I wouldn't have my Google Maps in my palm. So to actually have a printout of a map and directions. Yeah, definitely. You know, people have become, including me, have become so reliant on having their cell phones. And in the Squally Quake, uh, approximately 10 years ago, we couldn't communicate to one another uh, on our cell phones. I couldn't talk to my wife. Mm-hmm. And we were in the same town. Mm-hmm. So another thing to have is an out-of-area contact to where you can call from a landline. But you're, you're right. You can't call. You won't be able to uh, get a hold of somebody. You won't be able to look up 
where you're going. So if you have those maps mm-hmm. uh, and all the information, it'll help you a lot. So things to have on hand for your dogs and potentially your cats too, you know, if you've got cats like Eric does, um, you know, food and water. So you're saying to think about if, if you were camping with your pets, do you, you know, for like a week, what would you need um, that, you know, that length of time food, at least if, if you have medication or food that needs to be refrigerated, how are you going to keep that cool? Or do you have an alternative in emergency situations, if your dog does eat raw food, are they used to some kibble in their diet so that you can have that? Um, cash, I think, makes a lot of sense to me for a lot of different reasons. Just having cash on hand if the credit card machines aren't working or the ba- you know banks are closed and all that kind of stuff. Um, crates, blanket, tarp, slip leads, um, extra identification, vaccine information, printouts of local hotels, and, and emergency vets, both near and far, if you have to relocate. Um, now, you had made a really good point, and we're going to take a break, um, but when we come back, you said, you know, a lot of people say, um, I would never leave my animals at home during a disaster, and I would be one of those people. Uh, like I'd be the person on the roof, like refusing to leave or, uh, you know, I just, it would be my first priority, but you had a good point about that. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. And then also, um, you've actually, you know, been on scene for, uh, disasters. I know that you just returned from one. So we'll kind of hear your, some stories and your perspective about what it's like actually being there. So we'll be back with Tim Percival animal disaster responder and instructor. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. I looked at all the mats and I asked all the cats. I went to the vet, have you heard anything yet? My dog was lost, but now he's found. My dog was lost, but now he's found. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist www.sensitivedog.com. Hi, I'm Pat Pauly. Tune into my show, Get Active, each Tuesday at 12 noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about one of the wonderful activities in the Puget Sound region, ones that you may want to participate in. We'll focus on how adult beginners can comfortably get into all of these activities. You'll learn a lot about how you can get active. Be sure to listen. That's Get Active with me, Pat Pauly, at 12 each Tuesday on Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, I'm Martha Childress with the Natural Choice Network. Join us every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite leaders from our sustainable community to share their unique visions and valuable insights. You'll learn great tools to make your life greener, healthier, and more sustainable for generations to come. Thank you for making the natural choice. That's the Natural Choice Network every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Please join us. 
Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. Hi, this is Craig Walker, owner and lead technician at Coho Computer in Issaquah. Tune in Saturdays at noon right after Manson Mitchell for Tech Talk with Craig. We'll touch on the latest tech news, interview special guests, and take your calls. Tech Talk with Craig, Saturdays from noon to one, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. Like what you hear? Be sure and support the sponsors who support your favorite programs on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes. And we are talking with Tim Percival, animal disaster responder and instructor. Welcome back, Tim. Thanks. So um, you made a good point uh, just before the show where a lot of people say, you know, oh, I would never leave my animals at home during a disaster. I would always take them with me. Um, so there's other other circumstances, though, that can happen where people may not have control over that. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Whenever I teach disaster preparedness, people say they would never leave their animals at home. What if you're at the grocery store? What if you're at work? Unless the animal's with you 24-7, you have to leave them at home or in the care of somebody at some point. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's something that you have to plan for, and there's several different ways to do that. You can find your neighbors to help plan for that. But you also just have to make sure that you, you talk to people and you have various routes. For example, um, for me to get home to my pets, because I have to leave them at home when I'm at work, mm-hmm. I have to cross over numerous bridges. Mm. My wife, on the other hand, doesn't. And why is that important? Because we have earthquakes. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're at work and there's an earthquake, everybody knows about the viaduct and how, how the, the condition that it's in. Mm-hmm. But, but other bridges can collapse. So mm-hmm. you have to plan for that. Yeah. And so... What can you do then to plan for that if your dogs are at home and you've been gone and something happens while you're gone and you can't get there? I mean, what do you do? Well, it's something that you need to think about. Maybe your neighbors can come and check on your your dogs. Maybe you have somebody that stays at home during the day, uh, a neighbor that stays at home during the day, and they can come check on your your dogs. So make sure you get to they get to know your animals so that they're comfortable with uh, that person coming into your home. So the dogs let them in? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I have big dogs, and they wouldn't let uh, some people in. No. Now you have Swiss Mountain Dogs. That's correct. Greater Swiss Mountain yep. Dogs. Yeah. They're my babies. Yeah, and people probably just wouldn't even try to come in. Yeah, they're, they're bark. They'll bark nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're like 
150 pounds or something like that's that, right? Cor- yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So a, a big deterrent on the plus side to uh, home intruders. Definitely. <laughs> um, okay. So so if your animals were at home, you know, being in communication with your close by community so that like if there was an earthquake, um, maybe there's somebody within walking distance at least that could come by and check on your pets and, you know, make sure that they had water or even potentially feed them or, you know, let them out or something like that, having somebody close by. Um, So now you've been to, you just got back from, where was it? I was in Memphis for the flooding. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, either that trip or trips that you've been on and, you know, what you do as a responder. Well, I'm a boots on the ground person generally um, on responses. I either do the search and rescue out in the field or generally I'm inside of a shelter and working in the shelter and I have various jobs in the shelter. Mm-hmm. Um, this last last job, uh, or not last job, but the last deployment I was on, I was handling the aggressive animals and the bite hold animals. One of the things that a lot of people don't realize is during a disaster, the nicest animals they change completely. They're sure. under stress. Yeah. So uh, it, you have to be a pretty skilled handler with some of those animals. Mm-hmm. And so the more comfortable you have your animal getting inside of a crate, having ver- various people handle them, it's going to be more comfortable with them or for them inside of a shelter. Yeah. So in my uh, my position, I was handling some of the, the aggressives and some of the bite holds. And the bite holds is because they, they bit vet techs generally. Uh, people that were very experienced, but they weren't experienced being in a disaster. So what does that mean, bite hold? Uh, a bite hold is a, a dog that has actually bitten somebody, and uh, they're pretty much on quarantine until they can be tested and make sure that they're everything's okay. Mm-hmm. And so what do you, you just basically handle them and take care for them? Correct. I mean, the the dogs are inside of a crate, so they still have to be fed and have to have water, go out for walks. Uh, we generally have a, it's very cautious with those animals, but truthfully, the, the, a lot of the animals in the bite hold are super sweet animals that yeah. are just under stress. Yep. It's a really sad situation. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's something that I think general society really doesn't understand about dog bites is that you can get any dog to bite in the, under the right circumstances. And a lot of dogs fear bite. And Correct. so if you've got a situation where they're freaked out and you try to grab them, you know, in a, in another circumstance, you'd never think that dog would bite. But if they get freaked out as animals or they feel like they're cornered or whatever, then you can see aggression from them. And Definitely. And that's, again, I'm going to go back to uh, crate training because we have these animals inside of a crate. If they've never been in one, yeah. they're going to be fearful and they are going to be protective because they have such a small area. And just so anxious. Exactly. I mean, for their own experience and trying to make them as comfortable as possible through that process until they hopefully get reunited with their owner. Correct. And the more animals there are, the less time we can sp- spend with each one. Right. If there aren't very many animals, then we can spend a lot of time with uh, a lot of them. So, What is the... Um, do you have, if you can think of something, what is the biggest mistake people make as far as like how people react or respond to like when something like that happens, like it's a flood or it's a, you know, something's happening 
Is there something that you see commonly or or a common misconception that people might have other than that they think that they always would have the choice to bring their pet with them? I think around here, it was mentioned earlier that we've been lucky and we haven't had any major disasters. I think the big one is it's not going to happen to me. Yeah. And and it can happen to anybody. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, you have to think rationally. You have to prepare. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to help help people and their animals in the long run. Mm-hmm. So having a, a disaster supply kit. So we talked about a week's worth of, uh, like imagine if you were going camping for a week, what would you need? Um, you know, something that I hadn't thought of because my dogs aren't on medication right now. Um, they're young, but do- dogs on medication. I mean, dogs a lot of dogs are on medication that they need to survive. So what if they, you know, had to, what if you didn't have access to that for a week or two weeks or, you know, a month even? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I always try to point out to people is if you don't have access to your vet, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And your vet may be impacted too. If there's been an earthquake or some disaster near you, your vet has probably also been impacted by that. Sure. So that's the reason to have other vets from other areas. And if you have all the records in your, your kit, then they'll give you the the medication. Right. And then uh, another point you made too, is that a lot of people get their food and supplies at their regular pet supply store. But what if, uh, that store is affected, you know, having a list of other stores in your area or maybe even out of your area that carry what you need. Correct. You know, that's And then I, having the cash to pay for it. And having the map on how to get there. Right. Well, my goodness. So any other, um, where else have you been as far as a responder? Well, I was, like I said, I was just in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been... Um, for puppy mills and hoarding cases and in different places I was in last year I was in Pennsylvania for a hoarding case and I was in Mississippi for a puppy mill uh seizure also. Mm. So got to love those puppy mills. Yeah, you know it's always it's always rough. People always ask me how I do it and I always tell them I know they're going in a better place. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to see the conditions, smell the conditions mm-hmm. uh that they've been in and that they put up with but Knowing that they've they found homes, it's a it's a really good feeling. And how long have you been doing this? With animals, not very long, maybe uh, uh, three years or so. Um, I've I'm my history is I'm a firefighter, mm-hmm. uh, so I've been on emergency responses on various different sure. different times. Now, when you're doing the the animal response, um, and it, Okay, I have a couple questions. One, how does it impact you emotionally? I mean, are you able to sort of really see the bigger picture of it, or do you get upset and then just have to kind of work through it? Because I know I would. Well, one of the things, if you respond with a really good agency, they're there for you mentally. They mm-hmm. have mental health uh, professionals that will help you. But for me, it's I haven't really had much of a problem uh, with the hard things. It's... I really get excited whenever I see mm. that reunion the, yeah. in Memphis uh, to see this home. The, these people came in and their home was flooded. The water was pretty much up to their ceiling or to, up to the roof. And they came and saw their three dogs and two cats. Ugh. 
And uh, that's what kept them. That's what kept them sane was seeing those animals. Yeah. And then I've kept in touch with them afterwards, and now they're in a temporary home. And they they said they didn't even have their electricity turned on yet. It's going to be turned on in the next day or so. But they had their animals, mm. and that was what was important. Mm. So that's that's what made me happy. And they were really happy with the care that they got at the mm. shelter. Wow. God, I would be just on a in a puddle on the floor if yeah. I witnessed that reunion. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah. So how do they how did the animals get from the house to the shelter? Well, there's different ways uh, depending on what organizations are helping. A lot of times there's a, a liaison from the animal shelter that's in the people shelters. Uh, there's all kinds of media that happens so that way people know that they need to take the animals uh, to the shelter. They know where the shelter is. There's um, Then we also have animal search and rescue. So in Memphis and in Joplin, uh, which I wasn't in Joplin, but we had search and rescue teams going out and trying to capture animals. And are they using dogs to do that? Not necessarily. Okay. Uh, sometimes... Uh, I know uh, Missing par- Pet Partnerships quite well, and it's just recent. I actually li- listened to your show that I thought, well, you know what, that would be a great well, partnership yeah. Yeah. is uh, to, to actually use the dogs to do that. Uh, but no, r- right now they're, we haven't been. Huh, interesting. Because no better way to find anything than with a dog. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the people that are going out are the most experienced people. They're usually animal control officers or, right. or they, they know what they're doing. Okay. Um, and, you know, and, and one of the things, a, a tip, if, the, if you're in a disaster, I always tell people slower is better. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't rush up to an animal, if, mm-hmm. especially if it's in a corner. Let it come to you. And I think uh, Kat had talked about that in, in one, of her, one of your episodes earlier. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, Tim is going to share with us some ideas for a pet first aid kit. So not necessarily, uh, you know, disaster, although it would certainly be good to have on hand during a natural disaster. Um, But just otherwise, what are some good things to have on hand around the house for a pet first aid kit? You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the fabulous Clean Up the Mess people at BioClean, we cover the world of animals. This week, March 30th, it's Shelter, Rescue Sanctuary, and anything that helps our animal friends Sunday. We'll check on the birds at Mollywood Avian Sanctuary and at Macaw Rescue and Sanctuary. We'll find out about the horses at All Breed Equine Rescue. Plus, we'll talk with Robert from Seattle Dog Spot, hoping for good news that the OAS dogs have all been rescued. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? 
We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and we are back talking with Tim Percival, animal responder, disaster responder and instructor. Welcome back, Tim. Thanks for having me. On a side note, Eric just informed me that that's the original version of the ever so popular Who Let the, Who dogs, let the out. dogs Out. It used to be known as Doggy. Oh, yes. interesting. Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> Whether you want to or Whether not. Whether you want to or not. <laughs> and we're learning a lot uh, about disaster, how to prepare for a, a disaster, either a, a major disaster like an earthquake or tsunami uh like an R uh, or volcanic eruption, like in our area, um, or maybe more common disasters, uh, windstorms, flooding, snowstorms, power outages, etc. And uh, Tim has been talking to us about how to prepare. And if you've missed any part of the show, you can listen to the entire show either on the Dog Talk Show website, which is dogtalkshow.com, You can also download the podcast for free from iTunes. Just search for The Dog Talk Show on iTunes, and you can find the most recent recent show, and that will be this interview. And you can also listen to any of our past shows. We've had, I think, over 120 now about all sorts of various topics. So, um, So, Tim, what about just like a first aid, like a household pet first aid kit? You know... Pet first aid kits are great. My suggestion is to have a people first aid kit with pet supplies in it. Okay. Because pet first aid kits, if you go into the store and buy one, they're pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. And most of the stuff in there are the same as a people first aid kit. Okay. You add a leash, you add a collar, um, and some other specific items, and it's all in one kit. So rather than having multiple kits inside your car, inside your home, you can have one kit. Okay. Good idea. And so what are some tips uh, as far as things that people can have that would be really useful? Probably one of the most important things to have is a muzzle. Even if you have mm. the friendliest dog, uh, you want to have a muzzle or be able to n- or know how to tie a muzzle okay. um, out of different things. Because an injured dog will st- can still bite you. Right. So even if it's the friendliest. So yep. a muzzle. Okay. Um, and Elizabeth- e-collar, Elizabethan collar or something like that can help especially if you have a a short-nosed breed like a bulldog or a pug, something like that. So that way you can still help the dog and you have some protection if you can't put a muzzle on the animal. Okay, good to know. Those are a couple of the most important, in my opinion. Uh, Then also I'm going to go back to the uh, slip lead, making sure you have a slip lead. And a slip lead, uh, I carry a slip lead with me almost all the time because with that I can make a muzzle, I can make a harness, I can make uh, a halty, mm-hmm. a little, uh, all kinds of things. So a slip lead is a great thing, and it'll fit a chihuahua or, again, like a mastiff or a great dog. Or like a Swiss mountain dog. Or a, or a greater Swiss mountain dog, right. yeah. All right. So um, another thing, whenever I teach pet first aid classes, I try to show items that you can just find anywhere mm-hmm. because 
was a, maybe a month or two ago, a gentleman was playing fetch with this dog, and uh, the, there was a stick that went through the dog and had to get major surgery. Ugh. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really s- sad and scary thing. So if you take a water bottle and you cut the top off of it, then you uh, you have a, a tool that can be used for multiple things. First, thing, first of all, you don't want to pull that stick out. Yeah. But what you can do is you take that water bottle and the stick is sticking in there and you can support that object so that way it's not acting like a lever hurting the uh, animal on the inside. Sort of like help stabilize exactly, it? Exactly, yeah, help stabilize it. Okay. Um, so that you can do that. Uh, and it's a cheap little handy device that you have just about everywhere. Mm-hmm. It takes a pocket knife and a water bottle mm-hmm. and you have it. It can also be something that you put over the snout of a dog. So if you need to give rescue breaths, uh, you can you can do that uh, without putting your, your mouth directly over the nose of the animal, mm-hmm. which for my own pets I wouldn't have a problem with. But if I pull this animal out of uh, sewage or, or a bad area, I still don't want to do that. I don't want to contaminate myself. Mm. Good point. So... Uh, uh, and it can also be used as a little uh, miniature water bowl. If you if all you have is a water bottle, you put the keep the lid on it, and you have a small little water bowl. Yep. So something that's readily available, they're all over the place, yep. uh, can easily be used. Yeah. So pretty much a, a human first aid kit with you know, and I know I've used vet wrap a oh, lot. Yeah. That's a good one. That might not be in a human first aid kit, but it's this really flexible kind of sticky wrap that is great. I've used that for. If my dog uh, sliced his paw pad or, you know, and you have to kind of bandage it, that wrap is great to keep it on. Definitely. Vet, vet wrap is great. And uh, they use human versions. It's just not in all the fancy colors usually. Right. So uh, it can be used for people or for uh, for animals. And, yeah, your typical first aid kit supplies, you know, bandaging gauze, uh, some, some uh, antibiotic ointment. Antiseptic. Antiseptic, yeah, something yeah. to clean is all uh, really good. A bandana is a really good thing to use. Yeah. Uh, you can use that for cooling, for uh, mm. for creating a splint or yeah. tying something together. What about like Benadryl? Benadryl is great too, if, yeah. if, you know, depending on the dosage for the dog. Sure. Uh, but yeah, to, to help relax your dog yeah. Or, yeah, or, or for uh, allergies. Yep. And so to help too, if you have something like that on hand to maybe have a little cheat sheet in there as far as what the dose should dosage would be i know we have three dogs one's a dachshund the other two are cattle dogs so different weights so what would it's probably on the well i don't know if it would be necessarily be on the back because it's a human um a human drug so knowing what is the dosage for your pet if you needed to give that if there was some allergic reaction to kind of help that yeah or to calm them down yeah and if you need you it's something you might be able to call your veterinarian about um and anytime you give medication uh, if if there's an issue, another thing important thing to have in your first aid kit is uh, the poison uh, um, poison center phone number. Yeah. And here in Washington, we're lucky because we can call the People Poison Center for pets, and that number is one eight hundred two 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 one two two two. So uh, they can they can answer that question too if if you think you may have overdosed on mm-hmm. Benadryl or something for your pet. Well, this is great. Um, you know, thanks so much for the information. It was definitely something that had been on my mind, uh, especially since uh, Japan's natural disasters that have happened. And really, I think it's really gotten us thinking about, oh, gosh, you know, that really could happen to us. And uh, it really could. 
And uh, we like to think that, it, oh, you know, it's everything is far away, but, um, you know, it really could. And so what can you do to be as prepared as possible to care for your pets or to have other people lined up to care for your pets if you, for some reason, can't get home? Now, you teach uh, pet first aid classes and stuff like that. So how can people get in touch with you if they might want to have you out and and teach their community about pet first aid and, and this type of stuff? So if you go to www.learnpetfirstaid.com that's all spelled out uh, or you can find us on Facebook uh, we do classes all over the Seattle area and even outside of Seattle and it's usually uh, disaster preparedness for pets as well as pet first aid with a lot of hands-on includes uh, pet CPR also mm, interesting that's great and um, and so you guys are on Facebook so if they search learn pest pet first aid Correct. And I'll also add you guys as one of our uh, Facebook fan page favorites too, so that you can find uh, you can find Tim through the Dog Talk Show Facebook fan page as well. And I uh, highly recommend that you become a fan because you get to be a part of the conversation in between our Wednesday live shows. And like I mentioned as well, if you missed this show or any of our shows over the past two and a half years, you can find them all archived online. You can go to www.dogtalkshow.com and click on the podcast page. All of our past shows will come up uh, from our most recent to our very first. And there's a little play button that you can click on um, underneath the show that you want to listen to. And all the shows have a description if there's a guest who the guest is. You can click on that. That will actually just start playing from your computer. So turn your sound on. And if you want to download the show and then put it on your iPod and maybe listen while you take your dogs for a walk or maybe while you're bored on the treadmill, um, you can go to iTunes and download the Dog Talk Show podcast for free. Just go to Audio Podcasts and search for the Dog Talk Show. Tim, it was wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much for being here, and I look forward to having you back on the show to talk about other areas of expertise. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're listening. Thanks for listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150.